go to Luke chapter 9, verse 57 to 62. I realize the last little while seems like I've been preaching pretty hard. Um, just the way it seems to go. Um, I'm not doing that because I'm angry with anybody or anything. I just, just go with what I feel like the Lord's leading, so... I want you all to know that we love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for letting us be here. <laughs> for two years almost. They haven't kicked me out yet, so that's good. I hope. <laughs> we haven't left either. <sighs> Last week we talked about uh, the price of being a disciple. Um, this week we're going to talk about how not to be a disciple. So Luke chapter 9 Verse 57, it says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. And he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Another answer. I'm sorry. Another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. Let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my home and my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. How not to be a disciple. Let's all pray together one more time. Jesus, hallelujah. God, I thank you for your presence. God. Hallelujah, God, your presence is here, God, I pray in your name, God, you would move, God, I pray that you would speak to us, God, anoint our ears to hear your word, God, I pray, anoint my mouth to say it the way you need it to be said, in Jesus' name, God, let your will be done, I pray, in the name of Jesus, God, we give the rest of the service to you, God, we turn everything over to you, God, let your will be done, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, you can be seated if you'd like, again, I don't care if you stand, nobody ever takes me up on that. But whatever. <laughs> so we learned that last week that Jesus wants us to be all in. He wants us to be committed. There's a cost to, to following him. And there's three, in this story, there's three people that come to him. Three wannabe disciples, if you will. They come to Jesus and they, they want to be his disciple. And like last week, we learned that there was a price and it cost for us to follow Jesus, it costs for us to be his disciple. It looks good, it looks inviting, it looks like just fun times all the time, but there's a price that we have to pay to do that. Everyone wants miracles to happen everywhere that we go, but that doesn't come easy. We all want a double portion like Elisha, but we don't want to go through what it takes to get it. Elisha followed Elijah, and Elisha was a farmer. When he left that life, the Bible says that he... He killed his oxen, and he burnt them as a sacrifice, and he used his plow as the wood. When Elisha left to follow the will of God, he left everything behind. There was no turning back for him, and that's what Jesus wants from us, too. It's gonna, if we're going to be a disciple, we need to make up our mind. We need to be consistent. You know, we can't be up and down all the time. Being a disciple is not a roller coaster. You can't worship one week and not the next because Jesus is still Jesus. Amen. 
no matter what's happening. He's not changing. A disciple doesn't care about himself or his own needs or his own feelings. He just follows his leader. When I let my situation dictate how I live and how I react you know, to God, I'm, not, I'm a disciple to my circumstances and not to Jesus. I'm following my feelings and I'm not following him. A disciple, no matter what, says I'm here and I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stay. You know, his disciples a couple of times they failed, but once they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they, they stayed true. And there's no record of them after the Holy Ghost is poured out. There's no record after the church you know, it was started that they, they left, they deserted, or they ran at the sight of trouble. And Jesus, he's been teaching the last little while. And, you know, three guys come to him and they say, I want to be your disciple. And one by one, they walk away. The first one, it says, it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee, whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. The first guy he was concerned about room and board and his own comfort. It's natural for us to be concerned with things like that. It's normal for us even to be concerned with things like that. You know, where are we going to stay? What are we going to do when we get there? What's going to happen? You know, we go on trips. And generally, we have some sort of uh, itinerary. Generally, have some sort of plan, you know, what we're going to do. Some of us like to plan everything out. Some of us... Like to fly by the seat of our pants, as my family says I do, but that's, you know, some of us are like that. But generally, we have some sort of plan. You know, we don't just go, okay, we're going to go. When Trisha and I were dating 7,000 years ago, we're like, ah, where do you want to go? And neither of us can make up our minds, so we play rock, paper, scissors. And whoever won, whatever side of the car we're on, that's the way we turn. So we found some place we wanted to go. It was adventurous, I guess. But generally, you have a plan. Generally, if you're going somewhere, you know where you want to go. The first time I went to France with our, my friend Mike, you know, he said, do you want to go on this trip? And I was like, obviously, yes. I was uh, 19, I think. You know, we didn't have cell phones back then, way back in 2005. <laughs> way back in the day, you know. And we didn't have cell phones. We couldn't, whatever. And Mike, he printed out this itinerary for the whole trip, and he gave it to my mother because she was worried, obviously. And he had the, the, all the hotels and things we'd be staying at, the numbers. You know, the numbers looked different. She didn't know what to do with them. But just in case, you know, anything happened, she could call whatever she was worried. And I had to have a copy of it somewhere. But he had, at one point, he was doing his presentation. He said, Mike will be presenting at such and such a place, and Ryan will be sitting in a cafe. He had the whole thing <laughs> planned out. And there, there's something comforting about having, you know, everything planned out. You know, there's no surprises. You know exactly what you're getting into. And one day on that trip, we actually ended up staying in, in Paris longer than we were supposed to. We ended up there later than we planned on. We actually had to go get a hotel. And that was an adventure, but it wasn't planned. It was crazy. It was just off the thing, off the schedule. You know, last year when we went to, to Ghana, I told you many times already about this, and the fog delayed our plane, we had it all laid out. Monday we were supposed to go sightseeing in Ghana, but Monday I actually was on a plane because it took 72 hours to get there. We went and we flew to Toronto. We had to go to Toronto. We weren't supposed to. We ended up in Brussels. We didn't have a place to stay. It was just crazy. You know, I took out my phone. I was like, we had phones then. And I found a hotel with a shuttle and we got in there and they let us in early. It was nice. And we ended up staying in Brussels for 24 hours. 
And it was a good time. It was a, it was a nice break. It was what I needed. It was the one, the one day off. I had been exa- exhausted mentally and physically. And God kind of knew, I think, and allowed that to happen. Even though I had everything planned out. And even though you know, I thought I was going to be doing this. And it didn't happen the way I thought. And it was frustrating at the time. But God had a plan. Sometimes life works like that. We have everything planned out and it doesn't happen the way we think. So this guy comes to Jesus and he wants to know what was going to happen. He says, where are we going to stay? What's going to, what's going to happen? He wanted everything mapped out. He was worried about his comfort. He was worried about where they were going to stay. And Jesus said, I don't even have a place to stay. I don't even have a place to, to lay my head at night. I just, I'm just going. Like, I don't have, you know, there's no whatever. This isn't what this is about. Knowing the next step. That's not what it's about. Being a disciple isn't about having everything mapped out, everything planned out. It's about following him no matter what. Amen. <clears throat> and if we, you know, if we knew all the things we were going to go through, we've said this before, but we probably wouldn't do it. You know, if David, when he was anointed king, if he had known all the things that he was going to have to go through before he became king, he probably would have maybe backed out. Joseph, if he would have known all the things he had to go through to see his dreams happen, you know. To quote my favorite book, other than the Bible, don't get all angry. I shall give life here my best, and I believe it will give my best, its best to me in return. And I don't know what lies around the bend, but I'm going to believe that the best does. It's all about following. It's all about Trusting. Again, if we knew everything we were going to have to go through, we'd most likely back out. And if comfort is our main concern, we're not going to make it. Jesus didn't call us to be comfortable. He called us to be committed. So that's the first way not to be a disciple. More concerned about comfort than following. It's just okay. Second, the second one, it says, And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead. But thou go and preach the kingdom of God. This one seems a little harsh, right? But this guy, he was overcautious. He was worried, um, concerned about his family and things. There's always going to be family. There's always going to be issues in our lives. There's always going to be things that are going on. And it's more than likely that his father wasn't actually dead yet, or this guy wouldn't have been out asking Jesus how to be his, you know, to be his disciple. It's more likely his father was, you know, still alive and he was waiting for him to die so he can go do something. And he was he was worried, he was overcautious, and he wanted to have everything lined up before he was willing to follow Jesus. And here's your mind blowing revelation. <laughs> You're never gonna be ready. You're never going to have everything lined up. Tomorrow never comes, the old song says. You're never going to have it all lined up. This guy wanted to have everything in place before he went to follow. And we make excuses sometimes. and say, oh, I'll do it later. <laughs> Whatever. I had a, a babysitter. Um, her name's Esther. She's been here before. She's a good lady. On her kitchen, on her fridge, on her kitchen. On her kitchen fridge, not to be confused with your other fridges that you have. But on her, on her fridge, 
She had this magnet, it was this little round thing with a smiley face, and it was called Around To It. I was like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Do you got one? Awesome. You know what I'm talking about. Because we always say, I'll do it when I get around to it. So somebody gave her a round to it one day so that she could do whatever it was that she needed to do. But that's what we say, you know, I'll, get, I'll do it when I get around to it. When things fall into place, I'll do it. That's what this guy was like, you know, just let me take care of this stuff and then I'll go and I'll follow you. And sometimes uh, the same people that get mad when God doesn't show up when they want seem to be the same people that put them on hold until they want something. It goes together. God's not, a, God's not our genie that we, you know, rub the magic lamp and he shows up and grants our wishes. He's our Lord, our Savior, our Shepherd. We're supposed to follow him and not expect him to follow us. You say, oh, I got to do this first before I do what you want. That's not the way it works. Amen. <clears throat> I remember worrying, you know, oh, God, don't come back till I get married. Has anybody else felt like that when you were younger? And then maybe later you're like, I wish you would have. No. <laughs> oh, don't come back till this happens. God, don't come back till this happens. I, I need to have all these things lined up. But that's not how it works. He's looking for commitment, not when you're ready or when we feel like it. He's looking for total commitment. You know, I've got some other things going on or I've got some things I need to take care of and then I'll live for you and then I'll follow you and then I'll do what you want me to. And, you know, when the kids grow up, then I'll get serious about our, my relationship with God. And, you know, when I retire, then I'll have more time to give to the church and work for you. And when I get rid of this, then I'll really be able to do what you want me to. When I pay this off, when this happens, when that happens... And it never happens because there's always something else. You know, I'll get baptized when this falls into place. I'll, you know, look for, see for the Holy Ghost when this happens. I'll start coming to church regularly when everything calms down. I'll, I'll do this when that happens. And then we end up never doing it. Amen. Today is the day to make up our minds. Today is the day where we decide if we're going to follow him or not, there's always going to be issues. There's always going to be family issues. There's always going to be drama. Yes. Amen. Some more so than others. Yes. There's always going to be stuff going on. There's always going to be funerals and weddings and fights and messes to clean up. And there's always going to be job issues. There's always going to be all that. There's always going to be life. Yes. But are you going to follow him or not? Mm-hmm. That's what we need to decide. Time is running out. 1 Kings 18 and 21, it says, And Elijah came to the people and said, How long will ye halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. That's pretty, pretty intense. The people answered him not a word. Elijah said there's a decision that needs to be made. We need to make up our mind. Are we going to follow him or are we going to follow someone else? It's the same thing all through history. How long will we halt between two opinions? Well, I've been here so long. It doesn't matter how long you've been here. If you're up and down and in and out and consistent, you haven't made up your mind. Just spent 30 years flip-flopping back and forth. Elijah said, how long are you going to keep doing this? He said, you got to stop. you got to make a decision. You can't just one day, oh, God, I'll live for you, and then, you know, decide you're going to live for Baal or whatever. you got to make up your mind. Amen. And Jesus, 
actually called this guy. He called him to preach. He called him to go and preach the gospel. The other two came to him, but Jesus went to this guy and called him. He was told to preach, but he never made it. Matthew 22 and 14 says many are called, but the few are chosen. There's a lot of people with the call of God on their life, but they never see it fulfilled because they're waiting for everything to line up. And that's never going to happen. You're never going to have all the ducks in a row. You're never going to be as ready as you think you need to be. Just go, just walk by faith and not by sight. We can't see the end from the beginning, only he can. So we trust him. We went to um, Benin again. I know you're probably sick of hearing about this. But you know, we had to raise money. I didn't make a lot of money at McDonald's. I know that's a shock to everyone. You know you think. <laughs> didn't make a lot. Um, so we had to raise the money. Fundraisers and that sort of thing. Preaching. I'm trying to preach whatever it is I do. Try to raise money, going around and whatever. We didn't quite have all of the money because they give, give you a budget and they give it in American funds and I didn't realize that till halfway through, which means I obviously need more. Um, didn't quite have it all, but we went anyway because the tickets were bought. So we're going. So we went and everything was fine. God took care of it. And I've heard of others that have done the same. We know our friends over here, the Muns, it's the same kind of thing. They only raise money for six months and they're still there. Mm-hmm. You know, God comes through. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. We have to go and we have to do it. Mm-hmm. And if we're worried about everything lining up, it's never going to happen. There's always going to be something. Yes. The next guy says, And another said to him, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So this guy, he says, I want to go home and I want to say goodbye. It's a reasonable request, you would think. But Jesus said, If you're going to follow me, there's no looking back. There's no turning back. And this guy, the last guy, he didn't want to go without looking back. And his heart was at his home. His heart was back there. And it wasn't with Jesus. He said, same like the last guy. He said, I'll go and I'll do it right after I do this. Right after this happens. The other guy was waiting for things to be lined up. And this guy was just unwilling to let go of his home or let go of his past life. And we'll never be able to be a disciple if we're still clinging to the past. Because Jesus is moving forward. And you can't do that and live in the past. You need to let go of things. You know, keep your stories, keep your testimonies, keep the memories that God's given you, all the things he's done for you, but keep moving forward. Amen. Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. If you're spending all your time looking back, you're not fit for the kingdom. That's what Jesus said, not me. Don't get mad at me. That's what he said. If you're looking back, you're not fit for the kingdom. If you're, if you're plowing a field... I'm not going to pretend I know everything about farming because I don't. But I know that if you're plowing and you're looking back, you're not going straight. Amen. You're going to have some wonky looking lines. It's going to be hard. You're going to be crisscrossing. Yeah. Has anyone tried that? No. It's because it's dumb. <laughs> if, you're, if you're plowing and you're spending all your time looking behind, you're going to have a mess. 
of a field is just going to be a mess. It's not going to look right. It's going to be chaos. If you're driving down the highway, you know, you're supposed to check your mirrors. If you spend all your time looking in the mirror, you're going to die. <laughs> you're going to crash. You're going to hit something. You're going to, I'm sure there was, <laughs> actually, no. It's going to say there was a guy we saw on the highway, but he, he didn't look behind. That was his problem. <laughs> Almost ran us off the road twice. But if you spend all your time looking behind, it's not going to work. It's going to be a mess. You're going you're gonna to fall. You're going to fail. You're going to crash. A lot of times we get into a mess, we mess things up because we're too busy looking behind us and not willing to let go of things. We spend all our time looking back and living in the past. We miss what he's doing right now. Disciples move with the master. They follow him. They don't lag behind. They don't set up camp and say, Yo, Jesus, you go ahead. We're going to stay here. This will be fine. I like it here. I mean, you did a miracle at this place, so we're going to just stay here. You fed 5,000 here. We're going to set up camp and hope that the food keeps coming or something. I don't know. Disciples move with the master. <clears throat> we think back to the Israel in the wilderness as an example. Exodus 15, uh, 22 to 24, it says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went to the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And they came to Merah. They could not drink the waters of Merah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Merah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? This is literally three days after. You know, God, a part of the Red Sea, saved them, delivered them from Egypt. Three days later. It took them three days after a huge miracle when they started complaining. That's incredible. That's in itself just amazing. <laughs> and then the next chapter, it says in Exodus 16, 2 to 3, it says the whole congregation of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness again. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, where we sat by the flesh pots and we did eat bread to the full. For you have brought us forth in those wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. It didn't take long before they were like, what are you doing? We should have went, we should have stayed in Egypt. Yes. We had bread, we were full, it was great. We'll just pretend we weren't slaves, we'll just pretend that never happened. But they were so busy looking back yes. at where God had brought them from, instead of being, wow, God did this incredible thing in my life, he's brought me to this place. Obviously, he's led them through the Red Sea, he's not going to lead them and let them starve and die in the wilderness, that wouldn't make any sense. So they looked back and they said, it's so much better back there. And as soon as they were free, they started complaining and, and whining and looking back and missing home. And we call them crazy and we say it's a ridiculous thing that they did, but we can do the same thing. And we look back and we say, wow, it was so much better back then. Remember how all this stuff used to happen and we just ignore all the bad stuff and you know that's how it is. <clears throat> and we spend all our time looking back. Jesus said that we're not fit for his kingdom. That sounds pretty harsh to our 2019 feelings. Everything's harsh. But when we spend all of our time looking back, he said, we're not fit for the kingdom. We look back and not forward. We make a mess of what we're trying to do. We're trying to plow. When you're looking back, you're making a mess. When that attitude gets a hold of us, like Israel, we end up wasting our time wandering around 
never growing, never going anywhere, never doing anything. Because we're looking back. The New Living Translation, Ecclesiastes 7 and 10, one of my favorite verses. says, don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. There's nothing wrong with remembering. There's nothing wrong with checking your mirrors and remembering where God brought you from. There's nothing wrong with that. But if we spend all of our time looking back, we're not fit for the kingdom, he said. We're not going to, we're just going to make a mess. You're not going to be able to follow. You can't follow him if you're looking back all the time. You'll never go forward looking back. My wife could come and bail me out, please. There's always going to be logical reasons why we can't follow him. There's always going to be logical reasons why we can't be a, a disciple. You know, we're worried about what's going to happen. No, I don't want to commit to something. I don't know, you know, I don't know where he's going to lead me. I like to have a 20-year plan or whatever. I like to have everything laid out. We're worried about what's going to happen. Or we're worried about our comfort. Or we're waiting for everything to be lined up because it makes sense in, in the world, you know. That's how, that's how we're taught, you know. You're going to buy a house. You make sure you don't. Oh, I got it all mixed up. You go to school. You get a good job, you pay off your debts, you buy a house, then you have kids. That's what everybody wants to do now. They got it all lined up, they got it all planned out. <clears throat> and we're all, that's how we're taught. To be concerned and have be thinking so many steps ahead, have everything lined up, planned out. But things aren't ever going to be lined up the way that we think they should be. There's always going to be a, a reason. We're always going to be able to find an excuse if we're looking. Or we can spend all of our time clinging to the past. And all three of these things will keep us from being a disciple of Jesus. There's a cost that we have to pay. We heard about last week. There are things that can keep us from being his disciple. If we're worried about what's going to happen, if we're worried about having everything lined up, or we're too focused on where we've been brought from, where we've come from. Romans 12, 1-2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your body is a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul says, I want you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. You need to be all in on this. How long will you halt between two opinions? We need to be all in. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you need to be all in. You need to go where I go. You don't need to be concerned. You're going to do what I say, not what you have planned out or not what you have lined up. Or All in. Jesus wants everything from us, not just a little bit. And we'll be transformed, he said. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. We're changed. And our minds don't think like the old way. The old way we're focused on our comfort. The old way we're focused on tomorrow. The old way we hold to the past. But if we're, if we're conformed to Him, we're transformed. Our minds are renewed and they're, they're made differently. We should think differently. Amen. Let's all stand. That was a, not as long as I thought it would be. Thank God for that.
I'm just going to open the altar this morning. Just like last week, we're going to take some time and pray. If you want to be a disciple, if you want to follow him like never before, and there's some of these things that maybe you struggle with, maybe you're worried about having everything lined up, or you're you know, focused on, on the past, or you're, you're worried about what's going to happen, just lay that down the altar. And what you do at the altar is you lay it down and you leave it there. You don't pick it back up again. You lay it at the altar it's a sacrifice. It's dead. Let it die. Don't, don't pick it back up. We're going to take some time we're going to pray that God would help us to lay some of these things down, these concerns. Because he, He's got a plan for each and every one of us. He's got a purpose and a will for us, for our church, for our community, for our homes and our families. Until we're willing to commit completely, we're not going to see it happen. If we're still looking back all the time, we're going to make a mess. If we're worried about what's going to happen. We're not going to be able to follow. So let's just take some time and pray. Let God work in our lives. In Jesus' name. The altar's open. If you want to pray, you want to pray and see whatever you want to do. Let's just pray together. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.